0: We got some wild transfers, as well as some Nations League overachievements, and in the case of England and France, a lot of underachievement to talk about. In today's episode of The Final Third Podcast, if you enjoy the show, definitely leave us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We've been getting a lot of downloads, so if you're new here, welcome, and you know, give us a rating. It's free, and you could change it whenever you want, but we'll very much, very much appreciate it. All right, hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the final third podcast. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm a fan of West Ham United, uh, the U.S. national teams, and Minnesota United. And I'm joined today, as always, on this wonderful Monday news and predictions episode with uh, my co host, Jack. Jack, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, good. You know, uh, we're recording on Sunday, which is Father's Day. So yes. spent time going out to lunch with and uh, swimming in the pool with my family and yeah. my dad, of course. So had a good day there but to any fathers out there listening happy father's day you know uh but i'm a fan of chelsea minnesota united uh, glad we're not talking about that today no
0: nope. yeah <laughs> uh, I,
1: I we'll we'll start talking about it once adrian heath leaves so we'll, 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 that's that's the yeah. deal that's the deal um i'm a fan of minnesota aurora atalanta and the french and u.s national teams
0: yeah, whoo, awesome. Yeah, let's not talk about Minnesota United. Let's not talk about uh, a lot of the teams that we sometimes support uh, doing a, a bit badly. But unfortunately, we're gonna have to talk about uh, a little bit about some of the, the shortcomings of teams and how the transfers that they're going to get might plug in some holes, that'll be exciting. Oh, this is the Monday News and Predictions episode, so we're gonna go in depth into some of the biggest things happening in soccer on and off the field. Mostly off the field because we're just going to be talking about the Nations League and then a lot of transfers and the like. So, really exciting, really exciting. Jack mentioned Father's Day. It's also Juneteenth today. So, of course, always remembering, especially in the the world of soccer, the work that uh, uh, black men and women have put into and have influenced the sport. So, uh, of course, holiday. I actually don't have... uh, No, I don't have work off, even though I'm pretty sure it's like now a federal holiday. Tomorrow
1: is uh, is the federal holiday where it's actually observed.
0: Yeah, it's observed. But I don't know if I have work off tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, I I don't know how how new holidays work like this. But regardless, that's cool. Uh, As always, since it is Pride Month, we are doing our our, uh, donation run where every 100 downloads means $10 going to. Uh, two different organizations. So we're, we're having pretty good numbers there. So thank you for everyone for sharing the podcast. Uh, we, we got an, a lot of downloads this June, so really appreciate it. And hopefully we can raise some more money and Jack, if people want to, you know, go beyond just what happens here on this audio podcast and listen to what we have to say, uh, maybe on Twitter, where can they find that Twitter page?
1: Yeah. On Twitter, you can find us at final third show. Uh, Post post quite a bit on there, so you're going to want to follow us on there and see what we have to say.
0: All right, yeah, and of course, finalthirdshow.com for a one-stop shop for all things Final Third Podcast. Okay, let's get into some of the news, and there has been quite a bit. Let's talk about some Nations League, starting mm. off with, uh, you know, talking about the UEFA Nations League, talking about uh, some of the big over- and underachievers from all the different leagues. I have a couple that we can quickly mention but, Jack, you, you can go uh, either one over or underachieving. Uh, which, which team do you want to talk about?
1: Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The two biggest underachievers, I yes. think, uh, in League A, France and England. Uh, terrible window, honestly. England, I, I'll say England was far worse. They, uh, I, I, I can take that, at least. One goal scored in four games.
0: And it was a penalty.
1: It was a penalty. you are right uh, against Germany. a Harry Kane last like almost last minute penalty. Uh, England have been terrible in this terrible. window, uh, without a doubt, and some people might try and say, well, uh, they didn't take it seriously. Uh, I, I think they, I think they did. I <laughs> think they definitely did. Uh, their lineups tend to suggest that they did. You know, in that draw against Germany, their lineup was. Kane, Sterling, Mount, Saka, Rice, Phillips, Trippier, Maguire, Stones, Walker and Pickford. Uh-huh. Like that could be a starting 11 that you could easily see at the World Cup. Yeah. Uh they they took it seriously and they did not perform well. I would y- say their best game didn't was take against it seriously. Right. Yeah, regardless. Uh it was bad. Yeah. Um their best game was against Italy which I will say Rhys James started that game just just saying just saying best english right a, back probably uh
0: and that was a clean sheet so
1: it was so uh but then again Harry Maguire started that game so can we really say that it was real yeah sure uh, <laughs> but Kaio Tamori in that game well yeah, Declan correct. Rice got subbed off in the 65th minute which definitely helped I'm sure um
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm sorry I <laughs> I had to <laughs> sure do a little. but England did not perform well in this window at all all capped off by that last game. Uh Do you do you want to do you want to talk about that one? That that last game there.
0: Yeah, so against Hungary <laughs> at home at a uh, molyneux Stadium in Wolverhampton, England took on Hungary and while it wasn't it definitely wasn't like the strongest lineup that uh, England could trot out, undeniably and that's what I was getting at earlier. Uh even if they didn't take it seriously, their second lineup should be still beating hungary if not if not by a lot at least by a couple of goals instead hungary uh, went out with uh salai so, saloy
1: uh, uh, uh
0: shalloway right yes yeah. I, I remember i just remembered how to pronounce it uh, in the 16th minute scoring and england went into uh, the first first half down a goal at home and people were Rightfully upset on Twitter because, holy crap, England cannot be affording to be wasting not only, you know, this Nations League group stage uh, run, but also, you know, wasting very valuable minutes to prepare for the World Cup. And so, they, you know, they, they sub out Jared Bowen, put in Raheem Sterling, put in uh, Mount, put in Foden, and you think, okay, they're getting some chances, and then Shaloi scores again, and it's two to zero. And the commentators I was listening to were freaking out because they were like, wow, this is pathetic. How can it get any worse? Well, uh, (laughs) Nagy can score a third goal. And they're like, wow, this is as worse as it's going to get. Like, 3-0 to down at home. This sucks. They're not even in the top 30. They're not even going to the World Cup. This sucks. How could this possibly get worse? John Stones gets sent off uh, for a yellow card. That should not have been a yellow card. And to make matters worse, Daniel Gazdag, 4-0. to Philadelphia Union legend, uh, it was really funny because the commentators, I was listening to a radio commentary, where we're like comparing the two sides, and they're like, "Yeah, and Daniel uh, Gazdag, who got subbed on, will be going, going to the mighty, mighty Philadelphia Union, like in jest, being like, haha, how are we losing to like uh, players with 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 you know players from teams like the Philadelphia Union? They suck.'" And literally four minutes later, <laughs> four minutes later, he scores a, a really good goal and sinks England. Uh, there were calls after this game to fire uh, Southgate, uh, saying that, of course, h- h- his tactics aren't aren- aren't good enough, they're too defensive, uh, and that's capped off by his comments saying that he regrets playing uh, with such attacking intent in this game, and that was his downfall in this game, basically doubling down on uh, how defensive soccer would've helped in this yeah. game. <laughs> which is no a, an opinion for sure. It, it's the wrong and
1: one. I'll tell you that.
0: It, it, it is objectively, I think, the wrong one. I think every every commentator, every person asked about it, thought that yeah. it was the wrong one. And so now England are on two points and are staring relegation in the face in uh, their group, uh, uh, Group 3 in League A. They mathematically cannot win the group, so they will not be going to the Nations League Finals and they very well might get relegated because Italy are three points ahead and have a a better goal difference. And both Italy and Germany play Hungary. Because keep in mind, England England didn't just uh uh lose to Hungary. They also they also tied with Hungary. No, I they believe. lost to
1: Hungary twice.
0: They lost to Hungary as well. <laughs> that sucks. That really sucks yeah. for them. And so that means that. They have to the hope that Hungary can do them a favor and beat Germany and Italy, and England have to beat Germany and Italy to hopefully avoid relegation.
1: That's uh, do you want to know what's funny about that result, by the way? That is what? England's heaviest home loss since 1928. Yikes. Quite literally one of their worst games in almost a century. Yes. Before a World Cup was even played.
0: Yeah, this uh, is...
1: That's, that's, that's pathetic. terrible. That's that's, that's pathetic. Um yeah. Um I I think I I here here's the thing. I'm very happy as a US fan.
0: I'm I'm very happy too. This is awesome. This is great. News. <laughs> because at
1: first, like getting drawn into a group with England, we were like, oh, that'll be a bit of a tough one. Now it feels like the easiest game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well let's, let's, be careful. let's knock on wins him here.
1: I don't know. Iran is pretty good and uh Wales just made it to the World Cup and uh beat a pretty good Ukraine side. Yeah. Well let's not forget uh, so, that
0: Wales is also in the relegation zone with well, even less points than than england Their so. group is tougher. Their their group England
1: played Hungary
0: twice. Yeah. Uh
1: Wales played Poland, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Uh they they played the netherlands twice yeah like uh, i i think that's harder that that's much more difficult to do
0: that that's yeah. a hot take jack but i will let you stand with it i will let you stand with that
1: i mean come on england had to play italy italy have not been good since the euros sure.
0: hungary who are who have done
1: well in this window but aren't typically like this i, I would say uh germany they had a string of like I don't know, three or four draws before before facing you. You England. can't
0: you can't look at me and tell me that that, that Germany is not a not a tough day. Regardless, regardless, England and Wales are going to be uh, difficult. But I, I think I think it's safe to say that it is not as bad as it looked like at one point. And for sure, for sure, England fans are not as confident going into this World Cup as they were a couple of months ago or last year when they made the final of the euro 2020. So Jack that is England, uh Southgate, we might be talking about him potentially being on the hot seat if he's not already. Uh but another uh coach and national team that is on the hot seat in Ligue a is France. So tell me about how they're looking right now.
1: Well, uh not good. Uh they're also in last place on two points, but they've at least scored 3 goals and only conceded 5 instead of 6. Yeah. Uh, the most they've conceded in one game is two instead of four. So, and they that's haven't cool. lost by more than one goal. So, yeah. you know, better. I, I'd say that's better than England are doing.
0: I think uh, so too. I, I think they have a pretty comparable team in terms of difficulty though. In, in fact, yeah, no, I, I'd say so. Austria, Croatia, and Denmark. Denmark, of course, being on top right now with nine points.
1: Yeah, I. Here, here's the thing. I think France... Have have struggled this this window, and I think some of it's for good reason. First first few win, uh, first two games, I think it was, uh, yeah. Uh, Didier Deschamps tested positive for COVID, was not available to coach.
0: Right, makes so, sense. Yeah, I,
1: I I can give him a pass at least. I guess it was only the first game. I can give him a pass on the Denmark game because you know, uh, not having your normal coach can can hurt your your quality on the pitch. That's fine. Uh and Denmark's a good team. You know, they made it to the semifinals team, of year. And they were the only undefeated team to in World Cup qualifying. Cool. Uh I'm I'm or the only perfect team, maybe. Uh whatever. They they were undefeated in World Cup qualifying yes, never yes. nevertheless. Uh, so that that's that that's fine. The draw against Croatia, a little bit disappointing with a late penalty. Uh you know, that that's not great. The draw against Austria, also not fantastic, uh, but then the loss to Croatia—that one hurt the most because that we went down in the fifth minute and never recovered from that. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Seventeen Despite, shots.
0: Yeah, seventeen to four. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and you know what? I just blame it on not bringing Giroud.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're,
1: like, see, here's the thing: no Giroud. In the, here's the funny thing: is in the in the squad. Like in that game against South Africa where France dominated 1-5 to 0, Giroud was in the squad, wasn't he? He was, he was in, he was in the squad for yeah. for that where they beat uh the Ivory Coast and South Africa. And Giroud was good in both of those, scored in both of those. So,
0: who do you take off on this roster? Uh play?
1: obviously Benzema the fraud, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh I honestly who I would take out I think either ben Yedder because he doesn't really play that often and even then he doesn't score very often for france sure uh i i could also say diaby because he hasn't been fantastic but he's younger so yeah you're gonna take I a get 22 that.
0: year old for a, a what 33 year old
1: hey he was he was the joint top scorer on his team that won a league title
0: i so, don't care <laughs> hey
1: Giroud is the is the goat so uh Rabio, you could take Rabio out of here uh, and yeah. and get Giroud instead. One
0: of the three players to actually score for France this window.
1: Yeah, because Giroud would score twice as much, so you know, it's fine. You you're trading in more goals. Giroud is the answer. I am telling every single time he gets it, he gets back into the squad, he does well. And then they freeze him out and then Fran- and then France are suddenly not looking as good and then and then Didier Deschamps is like, "Oh, what happened?" And it's because you left out the best player for France. That's why.
0: This is this is such cap jack. This is no, such it's cap. it's
1: it's not because it's this all. This is facts. such
0: cap. There's no facts. chance.
1: Drew is the best play, French player of all time. Uh, Thierry Henry, who's that?
0: I don't know him. Exactly. Ne- never heard of that fraud.
1: Yeah, Olivier Giroud. Olivier
0: best, best
1: player. Hey, how many Champions Leagues does Thierry Henry have? Zero. How many does Drew have? One. How many does Mbappe have? Zero. Giroux, one. The numbers don't lie.
0: The numbers I I I suppose that's true. The numbers <laughs> technically don't lie. They
1: don't. And they're, they're they're skewed way out of proportion, <laughs> but they don't but they're not technically lying.
0: Yeah. Also Thierry Henry does have a Champions League. He played for Barcelona for a while. So
1: <laughs> uh let me revise that. Champions Leagues while playing in England. Zero, for
0: on it. There you go. yeah, true, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was runners up uh, for uh, with with Arsenal, you know. Five uh, but Drew six. has
1: a Europa League title and a Champions League title. Mm,
0: mm. Last time I checked, Drew doesn't have a, a La Liga title, so
1: no, but he does have a Serie A title. So
0: mm, mm. playing well, yeah. playing for
1: a team that is a lot younger. I, I think I think it's clear who the best player is, and. Uh, you know, maybe Mbappe should take a seat on the bench while Giroud shows him what it's about.
0: How about, how about this? I, I I got you beat. How how many MLS Supporters Shield titles does Giroud have? Last time I checked, <laughs> okay. zero. TR okay. that, that, you that's one. true.
1: That that is, that is a bigger trophy than the Champions League. Exactly. So exactly. That, I, can't, so I can't. I can't to hold I, that. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I guess.
0: All right. Well, outside of France, there were some other underachieving teams that I, I have noted, not just in. In League A, but of course, other ones. Uh, Romania is one in, I believe, League B. They were just one point off from making World Cup qualification playoffs in their group with uh, North Macedonia, and I'm forgetting who actually won that group. Uh, but North Macedonia was the was the, their big Germany rival in that. Germany Germany won that group. Yes, yes. And then uh, they went from that to just sucking in in uh, the Nations League and being one point. Uh, having one point and being square in the relegation zone, which is not great, considering that this this is a team that should be doing better than this. I I think it's undeniable that they should be putting up a uh, more of a fight. Sorry, three points uh, with with just one win in uh, their group, uh, but they should be you know doing their due diligence against the likes of Montenegro and Finland. Bosnia is a bit harder, but uh, to, to give points. To those teams very easily is kind of a, a disappointment, especially with only one goal scored. League C is kind of where they're heading at this point. Uh, other than that, I think Sweden is a a, a big underachiever considering that th- that is a team that while not definitely not the best, has you know had a pretty good showing at, at the euros have like a, a pretty good squad altogether. And and yet, are going to be stuck in, in League B for one more year because they can they mathematically cannot be promoted. They only have a a, a single win, which I I kind of want to say uh, was against Slovenia.
1: That is correct. Yep, two to zero against Slovenia.
0: And obviously, that's a team that you should be beating. But if you want to prove that you are you know World Cup worthy in the future, you have to beat Serbia and Norway, which are going to be. A, one of them is your closest neighbors and you lose to them. And uh, B, you know, teams that you'll have to beat on the way to the World Cup. So definitely the most disappointing teams uh, that I have noticed in the different leagues. Jack, how about some overachieving teams? Some teams that are doing pretty well for themselves right now.
1: Uh, overachieving teams? Um, there, there's, a, there's a few in there. One that I'll give a mention to is Ukraine. Uh-huh. And the reason why is because a lot of their players haven't played like competitive games since February. Right. You know, like they they did play those World Cup game, like World Cup qualifier games. Uh but you know, uh still the the <laughs> It's pretty good that they've gone undefeated so far. They have seven points from three games. Very good start in the Nations League for them. I, I think that that is an overperformance than the circumstances. Yes, um, so absolutely agree. I, I, so that, that's, that's pretty good, including a, a good 3-0 win over Armenia. Armenia have been pretty good in recent years. Uh, they, they're at least doing better than I think most people would expect them to do. Uh, other overachievers, I mean, we've already talked about them kind of hungry. Definitely mm-hmm. overachieving. done fantastic uh you know topping the group of death so far
0: yeah is very good imagine seeing them in the Nations League finals because right now it's really looking like it's going to be like Denmark either Spain or Portugal and then the Netherlands and having Hungary in that that'd be such a great story
1: yeah so I I I like I, I like that um I'm looking through the other leagues real quick
0: yeah, um, I've have, I've have a few to mention.
1: Greece has been doing really well. Yes,
0: they already won their group.
1: Yeah, uh, that's in- impressive. It's you incredible, know. Uh, actually. Um, Kazakhstan's been doing pretty well, although their group isn't the toughest in the world, yeah. except for mighty Slovakia, of yeah, course.
0: Mighty, mighty Slovakia. Who? Yep. I have two <laughs> losses, and I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Back to Kazakhstan. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: So, uh, it's fine. It's fine. They, they're, they, 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 are good in league C. It's fine. They're chilling. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm not going to talk about league D because it doesn't really matter that much. I'm going to be honest. Hey. Uh,
0: <laughs> Latvia, Latvia are, are winning yeah. the group, but the, 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 te- the teams that I want to mention, of course, uh, one of them is, uh, Georgia were undefeated right. in, uh, league, league C against Bulgaria North Macedonia and Gibraltar uh, to talk about Greece, I I think it's a very interesting story. Uh, they're the first team to mathematically win their group, get promotion to League B after being stuck in League C for the past three iterations of the Nations League. And, you know, they've gone through somewhat of a reboot in the last couple of years. They have a lot of young players coming up that have shown that as a country, they might be back on uh, level terms with some of the higher-ranking neighbors that they have. Uh, so that's really exciting uh, for them, and I'm really glad Uh a couple of others uh, that I want to mention, Turkey is kind of like a gimme because A, they're not in like a, a big, you know, cool group at all, like Luxembourg, Fair Islands, Lithuania. If you're not beating them,
1: like, you deserve to be in League, League zero C. Every you deserve to
0: be in League C. And, and, and B, also, you're right, the, the, they don't deserve, not don't deserve, they, it isn't their place, League C, so the fact that they're up undefeated against these teams, it's unfair. But the one team that I, I think is actually overperforming is Norway, with ten points in Group B four. Uh, they beat World Cup bound Serbia away from home. Uh, they did the due diligence against you know a big rival of theirs, Sweden. Slovenia is also there as well, and so uh, Norway has done an amazing job. And of course, a lot of that's Erling Holland. You know, five goals will, will get you that. Five goals out of the six that they have scored. Uh, but they have done absolutely amazingly, and I think that if Erling Holland and the rest, rest of uh, the, the Norwegian team can, Norwegian team can, you know, do well, they'll, you know, get into League A, you know, three points ahead of Serbia and potentially make some noise there. So those are the teams I thought were pretty good. Oh, actually, uh, and and the Netherlands they pulled off a crazy last minute uh, uh, game winner from Depay to beat Wales three to two it was a two to two draw and that would have fundamentally changed how this group looked. You know, uh, it would be Netherlands had on eight points, Belgium on seven. And now Netherlands, because of that win in the three points are kind of pulling away now. So it's yeah. exciting. Jack, any others that you uh, have noticed?
1: Uh, no, but when you mentioned Greece and their younger side, I did look into it. Um, I didn't know that George Baldock now plays for Greece. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. I mean, <laughs> it was just random. I was looking like, all right, cool, yeah, I know Simikas, Lakodimos, uh, Masuras, and then I look down at right back, and it's like George Bal- uh, It says Baldock, and I'm like, is that George Baldock? It is. Uh, I yep. that's I, I swear he represented like Ireland or Scotland, but I I it must have been England before this.
0: I don't know if he uh if he got uh called in at all, but he he is. Just this year, he started uh, playing for Greece. I, I, I think he is English, right? He plays for Sheffield he United. Does. He, I, I think. It, he,
1: he was, it was English, or he was playing for England originally, okay. I guess. Okay. But never got called up, which, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense.
0: Are <laughs> I going hey, to tell you that, we need, that England needs more right no, backs. I, I, I think, too I think many it right is. backs. So
1: it, I guess it's through his yeah. grandmother. Uh, called up to represent them by the head coach. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's worked out great for them. You know, the, the yeah. dual national recruitment, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, man, now I'm, now I'm looking at the roster and this is, this is a super like young squad they have only have one uh, player that's over 30. He's not, he doesn't have a club. So it's a, <laughs> and it's a goalkeeper, right? So uh, uh, the only other like 30 year old is uh, uh, Mentalos of uh, Panathinaikos. So it's crazy a lot of young players so so good for Greece i should say all right jack are you ready to go into some transfer hot or nots to end off this yeah, show yeah let's go for it all right as always as everyone knows this is a a final third show staple basically i give jack uh, some transfers you know talk about uh, their stats and whatever and he tells me if hey, this transfer is going to be a high transfer meaning that for one party or both parties or you know all parties it is a good, positive transfer. Or is that a not hot transfer? Basically meaning the opposite. And we're starting with probably the biggest confirmed transfer of this week. Fabio Vieira going from uh, Porto to Arsenal for a fee of 35 million euros plus add-ons. Uh, he scored six goals and 11 assists for Porto at just 22 years old. He's an attacking midfielder. he will be joining the Gunners this season. Jack Fabio Vieira to Arsenal is this transfer hot or not
1: I mean it, it's 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 not it's not cold it's it's more like reaching a boil you know it's it's getting there uh okay because yes Arsenal need midfield depth but I think attacking midfield was the one area that they were better off in uh they could have used a more central like deeper line midfielder depth you know
0: and uh who are who, are you, who do you think uh you know you talk about the depth that they have who who do you think would have would been fine uh instead of Fabio Vieira I mean
1: they they they've got Emil Smith Rowe and Martin Odegaard already in that position which mm-hmm. I think is pretty good to have in in that position you know uh those are two you know one is a really young player with a lot of talent clearly and the other is a very good player for Norway already uh and so i i think i think you know they probably sh- I feel like it could have been better used investing in more deep line, but you know, it's still, it's still good to have more of that creativity, more playmaking, more attacking depth, uh, because you know, I, I guess he can, I believe play out wide on the left wing sometimes. Mm -hmm. So could still, could still be good because that's the one side they're lacking a little bit in. So that that's why i say it's not like a bad transfer and it it's it's just starting to reach a boil you know it's it's a little it's a little it's warmer than average
0: i think that this transfer is very hot i okay. I, I think i think it is safely boiling and arsenal fans i think you guys should be happy uh because i think that he is a creative force you know watching the highlights watching porto games his final ball delivery is great. It, it seems like he' he's going to be a great answer to some of the creative issues that Arsenal can sometimes get into where, where they need to rely on someone to create something out of nothing and they can't really get that. I'm not going to compare him one to one with like Bruno Fernandez, but in terms of like being a creative force, he is like that level of player. Probably can be you know even better. you know, he can create something out of nothing. and I I'm not super high on Odegaard, so I I think that he's in really? the long run. Okay, I, th- I think in the long run he's he's definitely going to be uh better. And I I think the the thing that really like sets this apart is the fact that he's super cheap considering his talent. Only thirty five million dollars for a twenty two year old who's a known product from Porto. Like Porto, they they have sold players uh worth one billion dollars in all in the past couple of years. And they are still in like financial disarray. It's pathetic what their board has done. And this is this is actually ice cold for Porto, who are also losing uh, Vitinha, lost uh, Luis Diaz uh, before. Like it, it's looking absolutely terrible for them right now. Uh, but it is an extri- it, it, it is it is a huge huge discount for Arsenal to get Fabio Varia at that price point, considering some of the other costs uh, of players that we're going to be talking about. And I, I think that with, like, you know, Partey, Nani Vieira now, Odegaard, Sambi, Shaka maybe even Tielemans, this is a very good uh, midfield. Add on some of the other players, and you're looking at what, in my opinion, is the best young team in the world right now. I, 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 can't, I can't see another team and be like, this is a team that, if, if handled correctly, is built for success to the level of Arsenal. And I promise I'm not an Arsenal fan. I promise, even though I, I went on, on well, that. Well, I mean, you do you
1: hate Mikel Arteta still.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think if he's able to now capitalize on the objectively good signings that he's getting, then I'll be happy with what he's done. If not, then I'm right. So, whatever. <laughs> uh, speaking of some London teams, let's go on to uh, the other side of North London, Tottenham. Bisouma of Brighton going to tottenham for 25 million pounds the Mali international midfielder is joining spurs and i mean he's known for his defensive capabilities at brighton so jack is this transfer hot or not
1: i mean yeah it's a it's a pretty good transfer it's it's pretty hot but the funny thing is i feel like arsenal needed basuma more like a player like basuma more and Tottenham needed a player like Vieira more, if I'm being completely honest. It feels sure. like they got it flipped around because Tottenham have needed creativity and like a, a, a reliable 10 that can yeah. create stuff for them. I mean,
0: they're not playing with a 10 anymore, really.
1: Not as much, but they could have used more of that creativity from midfield sure. still. Uh, Basuma can be creative from midfield, but that's not what he, what he thrives in. He thrives as like a disruptor more so than anything. Uh, he passes well and breaks up plays really well. You know, he had a lot of interceptions, got a lot of clearances, won a lot of tackles, but only created eight chances all season. Right. Uh, he he's not a chance creator, but if Tottenham are getting him for to be like someone in the midfield who's going to break up plays and then feed it to like Sun or Kulusevski, uh, can't remember if Kulusevski is still actually playing for them if they yeah, made that yeah. permanent or not. But yeah. Uh, so. And then they feed it to Kane. So if if he's there for that, then great. If he's there to become like a chance creator, not so great. I but so. I don't think that's what they got him for. So I think it's a pretty good transfer. Uh, but still, I do think that it's kind of funny that Arsenal got a player that was more necessary for Tottenham and Tottenham got a player that was more necessary for Arsenal because I'm telling you, Arsenal, Arsenal need need that midfield depth, uh, the the more deep line midfielders because they can't yeah, rely on Xhaka I mean, forever.
0: I I think Arsenal's biggest need has to be like, you know, then not just striker. I, I, we, all, we both know that they need a good striker, but yep. obviously they need someone who can be that creative force. And I think what Tottenham needed, well, I don't, I don't care what, what, what Tottenham needs. Cause, cause you know, this is the first time that they are really backing Conte in this role. And this is who he wants and I, I, I trust Antonio to, to get what he wants. I, I think that he has, like, the biggest say in, in this signing. And so I think that this is another boiling hot transfer. I I, I think this is maybe one of the more underrated signings of this. And it's so it's official because I love the d- defensive capabilities with Basuma. Not only is he in the top 15% of clearances, tackles, interceptions per 90, but also in dribbles completed and a pass completion rate. I, mean, I think he's bo- good on both sides of the ball. Jack, you're right that he's not going to be, like, that, that creator but he's going to be a really good facilitator. And I think that's really important when you're next to Hoiberg, who is uh, a, a lot more focused on uh, the progression of the ball. And when you play in a 3-4-3, three, three, having two capable movers of the ball, but essentially one very good defender who can potentially cover the back three, I think that's very, very important. And so for such a low price, only 25 million uh, pounds for such a such a, a good player, assuming that of course he doesn't go to jail. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Tottenham ha- have some inkling that he won't go to jail. I think this I think this is an absolute steal. Literally one of the most underrated signings of this window. I think Conte is building a good team here. I'm gonna say it's hot. Okay. All right. Well, Jack, let's stay in London one more time and let's talk about Raheem Sterling moving to Chelsea for. A reported 35 million pounds, the English winger can play on uh, both sides of the wing. He's only 27 still and got 17 goals and eight assists in all competitions last uh, season for Manchester City. Jack, is this transfer hot or not?
1: A uh, hot transfer. Great transfer. Um, if if we can get Sterling for 35 million.
0: Yeah, absolutely. that is. I agree.
1: That's incredible. That's incredible business because we're talking to a player who has 154 Premier League goals. 154. He's 27. Like, that's good goal scoring output. Uh, proven it at two different clubs. Won a ton of stuff with both of them. Yes. Yes. 100 times yes. Uh-huh. Very, very boiling hot transfer. Uh this this is this is fantastic he can be a good winger with proven quality he can dribble in and get behind players uh i i i if it seems like raheem sterling wants to move to chelsea thomas tuchel wants him man city want are open to selling him it, it's this seems like a slam dunk of a deal and i like it a lot so yes uh this is I, I'm looking at the list of transfers that we have listed on here. This is probably, I, I think, the best one. I think this is the best one.
0: I am going to have to disagree for a couple reasons. Uh, uh, number one, he's, This is a, If this, if this figure is true, then then Chelsea ha- like like. Like Thomas Tuchel has to go to Manchester and, and drive him to, to London himself because that is an amazing deal. That is literally an mm-hmm. amazing deal. Uh, Chelsea had to sign that agreement yesterday. Thirty-five million dollars or thirty-five million pounds, rather, for uh, Raheem Sterling is an, am- is an amazing deal given his output, given his experience in the Premier League. You know that he is a, a true tested uh, product. However, these reports are not exactly to be believed. 100 percent and so if it's more true to market value assuming that city just don't want to offload him at any cost uh and you're looking more at 50 million then you're looking at more like okay well what are actually the pros and cons because 35 million you can overlook pretty much anything because that that is a great deal uh no matter what his salary is and his salary is going to be huge he has continuously underperformed his xg especially in the last two seasons both in this past season and the others in uh, 2020 and 2021, he's underperformed his XG by one goal. And when you consider that the, these these XG counts aren't just, oh, he didn't score this goal, so that counts as a goal. So you're like, oh, well, that's no matter. He like, missed one single goal. But rather, this is an uh, a gong glom- glom- you know the, what I'm trying to say. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a collection of missed chances and we've seen that for England. We've seen that with Manchester City. Uh his his finishing and fi- final balls, even his crossing, leave a lot to be desired. And he was surrounded by world-class players who, you know, just let him be able to make the dribbles and focus on getting into good positions. You know, you have Kevin De Bruyne, you have Mares in the center, you have before Grealish that can uh help out or maybe uh replace you. But now if you're looking to Chelsea and you're you're seeing him more as one of the guys on the wing to try to create something. Will that work? Maybe. But also that's a big gamble for if you're going to buy him at market rates. And even if it was 35 million pounds, I'm pretty sure there's a position that Chelsea need more players in. And that just so happens to not be winger right now, Jack. It's fine.
1: It's fine, though, because here's the thing. A bad season for him 13 goals in the Premier League, like you said, this past season wasn't his best. That's still more than our top goal scorer in any of the last two seasons. Uh-huh. Even, even the season before when he scored 10, that's still more than our top goal scorer in the Premier League in the last, or er, al- almost uh, as, as good. Like, I think Mason Mount had 11 goals yes, in the that's Premier true. League. That's right. So that's still good. Uh, well, well, even his Jack, bad season is better, is going to improve Chelsea.
0: Jack Lukaku's bad season before this season was 12 goals with, with Manchester United. That was his bad season. Yes. And then but, eight goals.
1: Eh, but yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that, that's fine. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. Okay, yeah. It's fine. All right, uh, all right. Because we're going to talk about where Lukaku is going next.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll be the, I'll be the unbiased, uh, you know, outside source here. When I say that I I have a lot of issues, not a lot of issues, a lot of concerns with Sterling going to Chelsea, considering that a he he's he's been surrounded with top talent in, in in City. Not to say that the likes of Mount and Havertz aren't top talent with Chelsea, but it 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 certainly is not to the well-rounded, like well-oiled machine that was Manchester City. I I think I think that's undeniable, and so you know essentially w- without Lukaku now you're looking at him to be one of the the main outputs with Havertz and Mount and that seems that seems a little tough but you you're right yeah. L- Lukaku is not going to be part of that equation now right because he's looking to be going out on loan this isn't a transfer knock you've already talked about Lukaku yeah. uh but t- a 10 million loan fee to Inter uh, Milan oh, uh, you know going back to his old team Jack, I, I know you, you at one point you were you're pro Lukaku staying. Mm-hmm. I f- I feel like now you're pro him leaving or at least OK with that. Well, what's going on there?
1: Well, here I, I thought about it some more after we recorded and okay. you're kind of right. If if he is pushing this hard for a deal away from Chelsea, yeah, which he is, yeah, it's it's not worth it. it. It's not worth it for him to keep playing for Chelsea. It, it's not. Uh as much as I would like him to want to play for Chelsea, I can't control that. Uh so yeah, I, I you know what if if we can if we can get his wages off the books, because it's like 300,000 pounds. It's a lot, per, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money that we're paying Lukaku. If we can get that off the books, uh plus that plus that uh that loan fee money, free up some space at the club to get some players who, you know actually want to play for the club cool it's fine I'm fine with it all right cool
0: cool Uh, let's move on and talk about some more signings uh starting with Sebastian Allaire going to Borussia Dortmund from Ajax the 27 year old striker is moving back to the Bundesliga for reported 33 million euros he scored 21 goals last season in the Eredivisie for Ajax so Jack is this transfer hot or not
1: it's it's a pretty hot transfer. Uh, I mean, he did well in the Eredivisie, and at first I was going to be like, well, he was terrible in the Premier League, and I don't know, may, maybe the maybe um you know just uh, the Eredivisie was just his level, and he finally found it. Uh, but no, I mean, I looked back at his stats; he did really well at Eintracht Frankfurt.
0: Yeah, he was great.
1: So I I think it's a pretty good transfer. You know. If he can find that form that he got in the Bundesliga with Frankfurt, that's great, uh, and it will be a great transfer. So yeah, I, I think it, I think it's pretty good. Obviously, he had some issues at West Ham, whatever it was. But uh, if he if he can if he can sort that all out and get and get some uh, some good end product, kind of the same stuff that he had in the Eredivisie, moving that to the Bundesliga, great. He'll do he'll do just great.
0: Yeah, I mean he. Uh, with Eintracht Frankfurt, finished that twenty eighteen nineteen season, where I think they, if I am correct, they did pretty good. eighteen uh, with...
1: nineteen season, they made it to the semifinals of the Europa League, yep. where Chelsea beat them on penalties.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but I mean, he, he had fifteen goals uh, th- throughout that uh, campaign uh, in, in the Bundesliga and five goals in Europe uh, that season. So he played, he played r- really well, and I'm glad that you mentioned the, the West Ham thing because I think this tells us a little bit about his time with Borussia Dortmund and Ajax uh we we wanted him to be more involved in the attack and he's very much a target man poacher uh stay up there you know do some hold up play but definitely not going to be like super involved with uh, you know moving up to the front as say like antonio is and so i i think that his his skills are just finishing and and that's fine it works very well with ajax when when you uh pair him with the with the, the great talent there and I think with like Mollen and Borussia Dortmund, I think that he'll do very well, right? Uh, you know, he he averaged in the in the Eredivisie 1.13 XG per 90, which is top 1% in Europe. His finishing really is unmatched. And I, I think as long as he is deployed as a poacher in the box, it'll work great. So I think this is a win-win for everybody. Maybe win-win-win if there's actually a, a sell-on clause for West Ham to get some money. Uh, but Ajax get a a huge profit. I think they bought him from West Ham for like, like twenty mil, something around there, and now selling for thirty three million. That's a great amount of money to reinvest in the squad, especially for a club the size of Ajax, and it's also great for Borussia Dortmund. I think this is like the finishing prowess that they need. You can't replace Holland, of course, but it it it's gonna be a, a pretty good player to have. So yeah. All right, let's talk about some. Let's talk about two Arsenal transfers coming up. The first one is Telemans. Uh This has been in the works for a while. It's still not confirmed. There's still uh, a lot of. There's things. a lot of work to
1: be done. There's a still. lot of
0: work to be done, but it's a 25-year-old from Leicester City midfielder, uh, which actually on this Arsenal squad would actually be veteran presence. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Uh, but there is some drama in this saga as Leicester want to potentially extend him on a, on a at least a one-year deal to get some extra money when they eventually do sell him perhaps 25 million euros is the current price tag jack
1: man if it's 25 million i guess that's that's the new best transfer on this list uh if it's for 25 million because he's but, worth uh, at least 60 yeah uh, but
0: the the very the very least i think lester's gonna try to push that higher because he's a very very good player
1: yet yeah, if if arsenal get him for 25 million that's a steal because one He's a player that they need, like in that That's the central midfielder. That's the midfield position. They need more uh, reinforcements in. They need someone who can sit next to Partey and who can advance a little bit further forward and create some stuff. That's Thielmann's. Uh great um, two Premier League quality, Premier League proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. And then three weakens a direct rival while strengthening yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, is a, that that would be a great deal, especially if it's for twenty five million uh, that that would be the best transfer on this list. And I, I think that's kind of like a lot of Arsenal fans dream signing for a yeah. midfielder. And so if they get that, that could be very good. And so I, I think it's a hot transfer.
0: I think it is hot as well. He's for midfielders. He's in the top fifteen percent in expected assists per ninety and shot creating actions per uh, ninety. He'd be a great force to going forward to link up with Vieira or you're right with Partey uh, back deeper in the midfield. And I think this this is like the sign that Arsenal should be looking forward to in the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed for them, of course, that it gets uh going. But I think I think this is good. Uh so you have Arsenal to go on to the other signing that they're potentially going to get, and that's uh Uh, Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City going to Arsenal. 50 million euros uh, for the 25-year-old Brazilian forward. Can play pretty much anywhere on that uh, front line. Uh, But he's got eight goals and eight assists last season. Jack, is this transfer hot or not?
1: Uh, So this one, as I understand it, would be like, I don't know, 60 million or something like that that they're looking to sell him for. Right? Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're about 50 to 60. I I think I think City might be pushing for 60.
1: Yeah. uh, 60 million. I'd say might be a bit high for him. Yeah. But if they could negotiate that down to like 50, 55 million. I think it's still a pretty good transfer. It's not like the I don't think it's the best striker option Arsenal could get. Uh, I think there's better strikers out there in like the Bundesliga league. On can, can you
0: name any? I mean, the, yeah. There's...
1: Um, uh, there's Martin Terrier in, uh, in from Rennes. He would be fantastic for Arsenal mm-hmm. okay. uh, because he's younger and he has the end product to prove it. So I, I would uh, ben, Benjamin Bourgeois, uh from Rennes as well. Honestly, Rennes has some great had some great strikers. No, yeah, well, we're
0: we're talk about Rennes in a second. I, yeah. I, I know we are,
1: <laughs> but uh, I. There, there are better strikers out there that they could get for cheaper. I think, and but you know,
0: we've been talking about Premier League tried and true, true. It
1: which is which is nice. I I I won't deny that. But you know, his his goal output has hasn't been fantastic the last two seasons. Which to be fair, he's surrounded by tons of other players who get a ton of goals. So it's not that he has has had to be the main guy. And maybe when he is the main guy. He'll really shine, but I I think also like looking at his his, um when he's out on duty with Brazil as well doesn't perform well when he's asked to be the the out and out striker for them either. Mm -hmm. So I think I think he would be fine. He would do he would do well. He's Premier League proven. He can score goals. He he'd do fine at Arsenal, but I think there are better options out there on the market that Arsenal could get for cheaper. And mm-hmm. while they might not become primarily proven, I think they would be better overall
0: yeah i I actually do tend to agree uh especially because this is his last year in the con of his contract coming mm-hmm. up it it's wild that they're spending that much money on a, a you know a player that's you know last year' the contract you expect that'd be a lot cheaper considering that other uh other teams like tottenham are buying players for cheaper who might be more impactful at a lesser price tag. Now, I mean, he's a, he's a great talent. He's only 25 years old. Let's keep that in mind. But I have concerns about whether or not he can raise Arsenal's profile right away. Right? And maybe in the long run, he gets going and that's really good. But you know, when you look at his per 90 stats in goals and XG, it has not been great the past two seasons. And a lot of that does come down to the fact that Pep has played him a little bit differently. Uh, isn't like just like the the guy up front nowadays. But at the same time, you do expect him to score at least a few more goals, especially because he is playing for City, a side that uh, gets a lot of good chances. And again, while he is young, I do have some uh, concerns on whether or not he can get added to this laundry list of talent that Arsenal have and become the prolific goal scorer that he once was. He scored 14 in the 2019-2020 season. When he was just 22, it all comes down to whether or not he can get up to those numbers and more because for 50 million, you're hoping that he can score a little bit more than 14 on a consistent basis. right? So th- that is probably the hope for, uh, Arsenal. So I- I'm going to, I'm going to go with, 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 uh, a little bit above room. It's a warm transfer. It's a warm. Yeah. Transfer.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah.
0: I think that's fair for it. All right. Well, how about let's, let's stay in London again. Well, a lot of London, uh, <laughs> a lot sides. of London. Yeah. And it makes sense. Premier League is rich, but, uh, West Ham United this time, uh a, 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 a Gared, finally get Aguered. to talk about West Ham. Yeah. I have this has been on the docket, but I wanted to wait till this it was like pretty much almost done. Uh I believe it's pronounced aguerd I, I believe it's Moroccan, so mm-hmm. there might be some French in there, Jack, if you know how to pronounce it. I,
1: I think it's I think it's naive aguerd Yeah.
0: Okay, Aguerd to West Ham. Thirty million dollar or three million pound signing. Uh Moroccan center back from Rennes, Jack, as an outsider, and I'll give my opinion. Hot or not.
1: Uh well, I I think it, it look on paper it looks like a pretty good transfer. You know, uh he scored some goals and assists, but of course when you're getting a center back, that's not what you're paying for. He's he's got good pass accuracy, 89%. Uh he he had 124 clearances uh and 58 headed clearances mm-hmm. with uh with Ren. Uh 24 interceptions, only one error leading to goal which also resulted in him getting a red card in a play.
0: That's uh, so but, uh, That's the but, West Ham <laughs> way.
1: <laughs> I was about to say uh yeah. West Ham know a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh so I but overall I think it's a pretty good transfer. It's 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 like 100 degrees, you know. It, it's a low grade fever. Uh but the okay. reason why, the reason why I uh is because I think it's a little bit overpriced. I think they could have gotten him for a little bit cheaper i think so too but even then that doesn't that shouldn't discount too much from his quality because yeah he is very good and who knows he could end up being like the thing that's the difference between west ham winning the europa league and not or europa conference league my bad yeah um yeah, yeah. so yeah i you know what? I'll bump it up a little bit more. It's it's a high grade fever. It's a
0: high grade fever. Right, okay, all, all right. right. I I I think it's an ER level fever. I'll be honest. Okay. It, it's it's very like hot. a one
1: hundred six. one hundred six. Yeah, like fever. a
0: like a, a one hundred six. Like you got you gotta you gotta put in the oxygen uh <laughs> oxygen, uh one meter or whatever thing. Yeah, I, I think it's really good. Yeah, it is a bit expensive. I, I would have liked it to be cheaper, considering that we also have other needs other than center back. But we we don't have Ogbana anymore, and our main center backs are going to be. Zuma, Dawson, and Diop is a little bit out of favor right now, but you know those are the main other three. Having him step in, while he's like a very much a West Ham type player, that I I, I understand why Moyes would want because he's really strong in the air. I mean, it's one thing that people should know about West Ham is that just the strong header, set piece FC is kind of our style. But he has three point five five aerials one per ninety. That's amazing. Uh, but he's also very strong at uh, being a ball playing defender as well. In terms of other center backs, he's in the top 10% in passes attempted with a pass completion rate of 90%, leading to being in the 93rd percentile for assists per 90 as a center back. Really, really good. Uh, and so I, I think him, you know, linking up with, with uh, Zuma or potentially Dosser and Diop would be really, really good. And I, I, I truly don't really know why Chelsea and Arsenal weren't at least a little bit in for him when he was proven to be a, a top 10, top 5 center back in France um th- those are two sides that could potentially need some of that uh defensive cover. Uh, I know Newcastle were in it at, at the very end but uh, I don't know According to like Fabrizio Romano West Ham were like always in control which is kind of cool to see. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the reason why Chelsea didn't sign for him because uh you know they they're, they're going to get the best center back in the world which is Milan Skriniar. It's funny. Yeah. It's
0: Even fine. though it, it, every single day, it looks like no, PSG. No, don't, 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 <laughs> say, it. don't I, say it. Don't no. say it. I won't manifest. I promise. Okay. I won't manifest good, it. good. Good. All right. Uh, how about talking about some Manchester City? Uh, Cucurella slash Calvin Phillips. They're they're kind of like whenever they get brought up, they got brought up together. So I I, think, I figured I'd combine them. Uh, but Cucurella and Calvin Phillips, the City. Cucurella, a 23 year old Spanish left back from Brighton, reportedly out for 50 million pounds. And Calvin Phillips, also from uh, Britain, 50 million uh, pounds as well, potentially, uh, this time from Leeds United. All this to say that Zinchenko is likely to be leaving and Fernandinho uh, to be benched long term. Jack, hot or not?
1: Uh, Cucurella, uh hot transfer, pretty hot transfer. Uh Although I will say he literally just signed for Brighton last, yeah, like last tough. summer. But that's a big Pituffet. profit. That's a big profit. Yeah. I mean, they signed him for, I think like 10 million, maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: It was, It. I feel like it might've even Brighton been single that. digits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 40 million profit. Sure. Uh, a club like Brighton, that's like an entire transfer window budget. Yeah. Like, sure. I, I, I think they'll take, they'd take that. Um, he, he, he was he was pretty good defensively, could have been a little bit better at chance creation. But I mean, he 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 could be a very good player at that left back slot for uh, Manchester City. It all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty hot transfer. It's probably good for both sides. Yeah. Uh, Zinchenko leaving. I wonder where he'll go.
0: Please come to West Ham. Please it's, come to West Ham. Actually,
1: no, I just I just looked I, I looked up Fabrizio Romano Cucurella in Twitter. Uh, it says that Frank Lampard is a huge fan of Zinchenko's and will likely push to sign him. Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: But would Zinchenko really go to Everton where they were in danger of being relegated? I don't know. No, uh, come to
0: West Ham, bro. We're probably going to get rid of Ben Rama or Belasic, one of the two. Come be our, our left side midfield. We'll, we'll play in the midfield. Where do you want to play? Come on, Zinchenko. Please.
1: Please. <laughs> we, well, but you don't have any. Oh, wait. No, you have Yarmolenko. Maybe you can keep Yarmolenko. and,
0: and no, no, we that. don't want Yarmolenko. <laughs> but Yarmolenko will put in a good word and we'll get some okay. Zinchenko. Okay.
1: Please. Please. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Kukurella, good transfer. Uh, Calvin Phillips from from Leeds has been pretty good but has also been injured a lot of the season. Yeah. Uh like half legitimately half the season. Uh-huh. Uh but before that he was good. He was good in the Euros. Um and Leeds definitely suffered without him too. Uh so I I think that could be a pretty good transfer. I'm guessing Leeds is going to charge a lot for City to yeah. to get him like cuz
0: he he is he is what like makes Declan leads Rice. Work. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: He is what makes Leeds work. Um, I think like 65 to 70 million. They can wow. get from Man, I, I mean, I, that's,
0: that's kind of high, though. In a
1: world that Declan Rice goes for 120 million, I think I, Kelvin Phillips can go for 70.
0: Million. To be fair, that has not happened yet, nor do I think But it that's Google. what
1: West, West Ham price him at like 120 million. That's true. If they price him at 120 million. I think Calvin Phillips could go for 70. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to say that Manchester City can't pay that. What, oh, there's course, not a price they can't pay. Uh, like, so I, I think if, if they can get it done, it would be really good, but it would be devastating for Leeds. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, given how they played last season without Calvin Phillips... Like that could legitimately get them relegated.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm. Maybe. I'm,
1: I don't think I'm exaggerating in saying that. To be quite honest, I. Hey.
0: <laughs> that's why Tyler Adams need to be signed by Leeds, and or so, he
1: signs for Manchester City, so he gets Champions League.
0: That's even better. I See? like where your head's at. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I I actually very much agree with you. I think Cucurella is going to be a good signing. I, I do have this the same concerns about his final ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes me like wonder. Like I think he, I think arguably he was one of Brighton's players of the season.
1: Oh, he he won their player of the season oh, award. Oh, yeah.
0: great, yeah. I think I remember talking about that in our season review. Yeah. yeah. Like he has amazing ball progression, right? But like his assisting numbers per ninety aren't great. Like his his chance creation is not great. Shot creating action is not great. Which makes me wonder when you have like fullbacks like Cancelo who can legitimately do it all for a uh, city. Is that going to be enough for Pep, or is he going to want to push him to that next level? He's only 23 years old, so I can definitely see that. I think that's a very, very hot transfer. Calvin Phillips is very expensive, and I think maybe they can get another type player for cheaper than Calvin Phillips, uh, which I think definitely is a possibility. But he is a defensive powerhouse, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Uh, and I think you'll need to understand that like, it's not just buyer-side economics, right? If Calvin Phillips might not be worth $50 million pounds for city. But in terms of cost of replacement and opportunity cost, you know, we talk about uh seller side economics. That is what he is worth to leads because they probably will need sixty million pounds in order to get a, a player at the talent level of Calvin Phillips considering he came up with them in the Academy. Right. So it's tough. But I definitely think that's a great, great signing uh for City. Zinchenko, please come to West Ham, please. Anyways, let's talk about PSG, which is very much not West Ham. uh, Getting uh, Vitinha, I think that's very close to being done, if not already done. And uh, potentially uh, Renato Sanchez, uh, Vitinha, 40 million uh, euros for the 22-year-old Porto midfielder. And Sanchez, 24-year-old Portuguese midfield, two Portuguese midfielders, I should say, from Lille. Jack, these two midfield signings potentially on the table, hot or not?
1: I mean they they're pretty hot transfers. Um I, I think I think I feel like only one of them is really necessary to have,
0: but I think uh, so. Well, I'll get, I'll give my piece later. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Uh,
1: but they they're both they're both really good. Vitinha, very good season with Porto. Uh two goals, three assists, but had some good some good stats otherwise as well. 90% pass completion rate uh made some interceptions along the way had a really successful dribble rate actually yes absolutely. surprisingly six 73 percent for a central midfielder um
0: at 22
1: yeah so that that's pretty good so he he would be a, he would be a great signing i'd say that's a pretty hot transfer uh renato sanchez also had a pretty good season in league on two goals five assists for leal uh Overperformed his XG somehow still, despite only scoring two goals. Um, created some chances, but he he has had a lot of injury problems over the past few years. Like, mm-hmm. quite a lot of them. So, part of me feels like maybe it's a bit of a, of a huge risk. A bit of a huge risk seems a little bit of... Uh, a little bit hypocritical of each other or whatever i can't think of the right word for it but uh i i feel like if you sign one of them i would probably pick vitina yes. he's younger let more injury free you know renato sanchez has had a lot of injuries already at 24 uh and he he can be good as we saw like uh, it, with Portugal, like when they're playing, he's often one of their most creative players, one of their best players. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like Vitinha would be a better fit for PSG. Uh, just given. it. Uh, but then again, it does depend on who they appoint as manager, doesn't it? Because if yes. they do appoint because I know this is next on the list, if they appoint Christophe Galtier, then Renato Sanchez would be a great signing because he made him look really good at Lille. So that's right. It really, I feel like it depends on the Galtier signing. If they yeah. make either of these signings before appointing the new manager, I feel like they're doing it in the wrong order.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a it's a little confusing that way, but part of me thinks that maybe this is in preparation for Galtier coming. Maybe it
1: in. is. Maybe it is
0: because I, I think you're right. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, I, th- I think both these transfers are pretty hot. I, I am a lot uh, warmer on the Vitinha transfer, no pun intended, uh, because really, I mean, I-, I-, I think this Vitinha transfer is the hottest of this bunch of transfers. Really? Okay. Uh, because again, it is such a steal. It is such a steal because he's such a young player. We know that he's talented. He's proven in Porto, 22 years old, and only 40 million. Right. You have other players in this list that are objectively not going to be as impactful, might not uh, reach as the highest potential compared to uh, Vitinha going for more expensive costs. Porto has gotten fleece on pretty much every transfer in the past couple of years. Yeah. And I, I don't know where they're going to be bad. I know I know they're probably going to be a lot worse. I mean, they were
1: way far off the champ. They were like 20 points away from first yeah. this past season. Uh, I can't see it getting much better for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because they have like such a talented player now leaving, and you're, you're right. Like his biggest strengths was with ball progression, passing, dribbling, through balls. So you you gave the stats, but I think the reason why Sanchez and Vitinha are both good transfers is because that PSG midfield is old.
1: That only, is kind of true.
0: Oh, there's only one of their like midfield core outside like the players that you know are their like, academy players, whatever. That is above or under the age of 30, and that is Paredes, and he's 27, right? The rest, Virati, Pereira, uh, Herrera, w- Wijnaldum, all of them are above the age of 30. And so Sanchez and Vitinha, 22 and 24, can reinvigorate that older squad and give them some youth, it's a, a project to work on in the next couple of years, which I think is really good. Sanchez, of course, I, th- I think he has a lot of the same strengths as Vitinha in terms of a good ball progressor. But he's just not that great defensively, nor is he really great at shooting. So I, I think that Vitinha, who I wouldn't really say has a, a huge knack for for scoring amazing goals or a lot of goals, you know, could work on that. But overall, I'm pretty high on both these transfers. Uh, but Galtier to PSG, which is liking, looking more and more likely every single day. Jack, I, I'm pretty sure you were pretty high on this. And I was like, oh, they should go for someone of higher quality. <laughs>
1: Oh, which I scoff at because he's high quality.
0: I, I and I I am on your side now. I, I All admit right, good, that good. that you know maybe shooting for who who I mean Zidane. I that yeah. that might be a, a bit high, and I think maybe Galtier uh, could do well. I, I still stick with like the fact that man management is the most important trait for a manager to have with this PSG team. So we'll see, we'll see. Even though he got, if you can get Lille to win, maybe he can you get PSG to win. But thinking about Man Management Jack our last transfer tonight is going to be Vincent Company to Burnley FC 36 years old of course a uh, former uh, Manchester City uh, center back uh, captain even scored the winning goal in the 1819 season I want to say uh and obviously he's a legend for them uh, has been managing uh, Anderlecht in uh, the Belgian uh, pro league for the last couple of years since 2019 so Jack Is this transfer hot or not?
1: Uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know about this until you put it on the, on the list. All right. right. Uh, but it feels kind of strange because he's pretty, he's pretty new to managing. Like Mm -hmm. he only took over. He was a player manager in the 2019, 20 season. Yes. Took over as manager full time of Anderlecht in 2020. Um, I think I I'm, I'm not so sure about it because he's done well with Anderlecht, but we've talked about this before. The championship is uh, is quite a beast mm-hmm. uh, and trying to take that on without experience in it feels a bit risky. You know, right. like I, I feel I feel like that's quite a risk that you're undertaking for that. But uh, I, I I feel like it could be good. But I'm 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 only like lukewarm on it. I'm Lukewarm. Yeah.
0: Okay. I I tend to agree, uh really. I, I I will say I'm I'm more than lukewarm. I'm I'm at a nice simmer with this. Okay. Cause A, I'm just interested to see what happens. This is crazy. I think he's the the first ever Belgian manager in like the English top four leagues, and he is Burnley's first ever manager, not from the British Isles. So okay. Very, very interesting to see what happens there, but I, I, I have concerns about a non-pragmatic approach to soccer in the championship. We know the championship, there, there's like, there, there's memes and jokes and stereotypes about championship ball where it's just like a million headers because the ball is always in the air and it's just you know, just, just get it to the target man. Let's see what happens. I don't know, right? And in Anderlecht, he was known for a quick possession style football. That's not exactly known to be the case in championship football, right? Right. They weren't pragmatic. But the thing about the Anderlecht team, I've done some research on it. They weren't pragmatic enough to close out games. And as such, they didn't win the league or really come super close to the title. I mean, he, he did well with Anderlecht, but, you know, he kept them as title contenders and nothing more. The saving grace is that the Burnley board seems to be more willing to spend money Uh, now that they have, like, what, new ownership, new chairman, or whatever, and mold the team to his liking, highlighting desires to let the the older core go in favor of younger players that are his style. Which I I think is interesting, because I I think most Burnley fans, obviously, appreciate Sean Dyche, but since he is gone, getting someone who plays a very different style of football in would be very interesting. Yeah,
1: I... I do have to point out something because I looked this up on Twitter to see some fan reactions. Um I think this is Burnley's president or some somewhere in the front office said that their goals under Vincent Company is European football. Sure. Um,
0: that's a that's a very long t- long that's a, term.
1: Yeah, and they're wow. like, yeah, it may not take two, but four years. And I'm like, uh I feel like okay. it might take a little bit longer than four years. Yeah, uh, I mean, but if
0: they, if they go straight up and they have the parachute payments, they have they're they're selling you know players like Tarkowski and stuff. So who knows? Who knows?
1: Yeah, but I don't know. A bit a bit of a lofty goal, but
0: that is very lofty.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, I think I think it can be good. It's just it's 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 just a little. It's, it's very risky. That that's what I'll that's what I'll say about it.
0: It is. But you know, sometimes hey. I'd rather them take a risk than go, than just play one hundred percent safe and be like, we're gonna get a Sean Dyche clone. We're gonna, we're gonna take his DNA and create a clone and, and uh, uh, just play, you know, the good old 4-4-2 instead of taking a chance. I think, at least for fans' minds, at least for as like a a progression of your club, uh, kind of look, it's pretty good. Uh, Jack, since we didn't talk about trivia, I, I have one last trivia like thing to tell you okay. before we we head out. Did you know that total football? Was invented with Burnley Football Club. That is what? no cap.
1: No, uh, you're you're gonna have to go into this a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> in in
0: the early days of, of Burnley FC, not early days, but the early days of uh, total football, I, I want to say, uh, in 1960, they kind of you know paved the way for total football, like like a uh, positionless, uh, f- flowing football even before uh, Johan Cruyff uh, put it into the mainstream. So um, I'm looking at their achievements to when they won. Yes, yeah, so the 1959-60 season is when they w- w- won the league, the first division in England, playing in this style. And so you know we joke about them being very defensive. That's not always the case. In fact, I think Sean Dyche really was the one to uh, put that into at least the, the international mainstream as their kind of style play. So that's all to say that Vincent company isn't exactly so far off from historically what Burnley has been known to do. So, okay then who knows? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Let's see what happens there. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Jack, that is all for the transfers. Uh, a longer episode, whatever, who cares? It's father's day. It's Juneteenth. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. Jack, if people want to hear more from us. Where can they find us?
1: Well, they can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show uh, and on our website, finalthirdshow.com We post all of our episodes on both of those sites. Twitter is the place where you can find more content for more things that we can't cover. You know, we, we spend a lot of time on these episodes already. We can't we, we can't keep adding on every single thing. So if, if you want to hear about some stuff that maybe we missed, maybe it's on Twitter. So check us out at Final Third Show.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Indeed. final dot com as well for a one-stop shop for all things Final 3rd. Yeah. We'll see you guys this Thursday for our U.S. Men's National Team-themed deep dive, assuming that no crazy news happens. Uh, we'll see you guys same time, same place for a Monday News and Predictions episode uh, next week. Same time, same place. Uh, tell your friend about the show. I'm sure he'd love to hear about our review of the World Cup cities, uh, as well as, you know, some talk about some transfers. So tell your dad... And it's Father's Day, so you better tell your dad uh, about it. And yeah, we'll see you guys then. See ya.
1: Bye for now.